This show is brought to you by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. Robots Radio presents the Fallout Lorecast. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, a place for the Fallout community to come together to explore the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. dwellers wastelanders welcome back to another episode of the fallout lore cast i am your host tom or robots and this week we're delving back into some vaults vault 94 and 95 and i find that there's a similar quality about these two vaults in that there's at least some intention to look on the bright side, to focus on something good. This episode is the limitations of good intentions. So let's just dive right into it. Vault 94 is a vault. It's probably one of the first vaults, I think, that we've talked about from Fallout 76. In fact, I believe it is. It is the vault that is focused specifically on the part of the game where you do raids and it was released only a few months ago out into the world you could come across the vault in the game but you couldn't actually explore anything in it until you could get into the raids which only opened up a little while ago before that we didn't know much about it i had a suspicion because i remember coming across this vault in the game and you find some notes you find some individuals their bodies or their skeletons left outside the vault and its location in proximity to the mire now the mire is full of overgrown vegetation large roots that have entangled things around them like lifting cars into the air and crazy amounts of uh, growth all over the place so i expected that we would find something having to do with that in this vault. And it turns out that we do. But there's something else going on here as well. So according to Inside the Vault, they have a quote here that says, Situated on the border between the Mire and the Savage Divide, Vault 94 was once home to a utopian community of dwellers. Good intentions, right? Armed with nothing but a stockpile of seeds and the vault suits on their backs, these pacifists were charged with restoring the Earth's natural abundance in the wake of the Great War. The vault's door rolled open exactly one year after the bombs fell. Only one year. We're used to vaults that stuck around for decades or centuries before they were opened. One year. It goes on, it says, those who had been living safely within its confines found the wasteland and groups of other survivors on the outside to be less than welcoming of their arrival. 
Vault 94 remains, though its inhabitants are long gone, and it has been completely overrun by nature. Yet something within now threatens its destruction. Daring Appalachian explorers will need to brave many perils if they wish to save Vault 94, find out what became of its former residents, and recover the precious resources hidden within. So, obviously that was written to draw you in and make you interested in the raid. Now, I'm more interested in what was going on with these pacifists. So, we dig into the wiki, and it says here that Vault 94 was founded on the principles of faith, nonviolence, and communal life in harmony with nature. Residents were not required to belong to a collective faith. Each person was free to walk their own path. So, a very live-and-let-live mentality, which seems good. This seems like good intentions here. Find your place in the world, find your faith, find the things that you want to believe in, and as long as you stick to communal harmony, nonviolence, then you can make the decisions for your life that you think are right. You can find your own path. The vault was supplied with an abundance of resources to restore the bounty of the earth. It was hoped that the residents would rebuild the belief that humanity is naturally good. And I think that this is a theme here between Vault 94 and 95. This hope that humanity is ultimately naturally good. Now, we've played the Fallout games, you and me, for a long time now. And we know things don't always turn out so great, right? Well, the wiki goes on and says, One year after the Great War, on October 23rd, 2078, the vault reopened. Following a prayer by Pastor Gabriela Salivar for the victims of the war, she gave her blessing to the vault ambassadors that were being sent out into Appalachia. Many of these ambassadors found a grisly end at the hands of the raiders of Pleasant Valley, tortured to death or outright killed, then propped up as decorations. Unfortunately for the raiders, the vault was equipped with a geck. Due to them not knowing what it was, they assumed it was dangerous due to how submissive the vault dwellers had seemed to be, and decided to blow it up, killing them and creating what came to be known as the mire almost instantly. So two things here. One, we all know what's out in that wasteland. We all know what has happened to the individuals out in the world who have had to deal with the fallout, have had to deal with limited resources for the last year. Many of them banded together as raiders and were taking anything they wanted. They were killing. They were torturing people. They were doing absolutely anything they wanted to do in order to try to survive. They were the dregs of humanity. That part of humanity that isn't naturally good. And this brings a, a question. What happens when the, the naturally good people of the world are thrown up against things that they are not prepared for? Well, this happens in movies all the time. This happens in stories. If you are ignorantly unaware of the darkness out there, then the darkness will eat you. <laughs> it will destroy you. And this is exactly what happened. 
There has to be some sort of balance. The naturally good people of the world need to be equipped to handle the bad. Think about Star Wars. And yeah, I'm going to go there. Let's go Star Wars. Star Wars is big in the news lately. I've been watching The Mandalorian. The new movie's coming out in like a month. Star Wars. The Jedi are following the path of light. They are seeking to be good, to make good decisions, to think of others first when, whenever possible. And I noticed, I rewatched a lot of the movies recently with my son, and it, it was noted in one of the films, I think it's somebody like Obi-Wan Kenobi says something like, uh, the lightsaber was, is inherently a, a defensive weapon. And it makes sense. I mean, you think about it in the movies, most of the time when the Jedis are using the lightsabers, it's to defend themselves. It is not supposed to be an offensive weapon. It deflects laser blasts. It protects them from, you know, the melee attacks of other people. But they can then also use it as a tool or use it as a a means to fight back against something. So they're equipped with items that allow their defense against the darker, more malevolent forces in the world. If they weren't, then they wouldn't survive. It's ignorant to think that just because some people are good doesn't mean that evil doesn't exist. The hope is that, yes, we are generally more good than we are evil. Let's, let's hope for that. But you also have to be aware that the evil is out there and be equipped to defend yourself against it. And this is where that vault went wrong. Now, the other part of this has to do with the Gek, and we've talked about the Geks before. The Garden of Eden, uh, Eden, Garden of Eden creation kits, the basically uh, kits that were designed to help pro- proliferate vegetation, the growth of food and crops, the ability for people to survive and have the things they need in a more barren post-apocalyptic world. And this is what happens when a gek is blown up, basically and goes crazy it, it takes over the natural wildlife around it and gives it so much nutrients that it basically turns an entire area into a forested viney mess of vegetation and if you haven't seen this area in fallout 76 one of the things i mean there, fallout 76 gets a lot of Complaints gets a lot of heat for for things that don't work great. But one of the things about the game that really does stand out, not only the size of the map, it's four times larger than Fallout 4, but the different zones. And the mire is beautiful. Many of these zones are actually very beautiful. Big, thick red vines that wrap around trees and rocks and have moved things and broken the ground and and all of that kind of stuff. Also, there is a place in the mire where the vines have created this tower of, it comes up through a house, I believe, and lifts, lifts things way up into the air, and you can find your way up into that tower. Part of the game is just really well designed from a map standpoint, and places that you can explore. So this was a really cool idea. And then inside the vault is plant life, but dangerous plant life that you have to clear through the raid. So that's pretty cool too. But the question still remains, is humanity naturally good or is that naive? 
And if it's naive, then is humanity naturally evil? Or is that too simplistic? What do you think? If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. Hey there, Vault Dwellers and Wastelanders. I just wanted to take the middle of this episode to drop in the little ad break and to just thank you for tuning in. As I mentioned on the previous episode, we will be getting to the thank yous for our new patrons, and there are definitely some new patrons we need to thank, and the reading out of the reviews and ratings that you guys drop on YouTube at the end of the month on the patron-only episode. So thank you for everyone who takes the time to do those things. That is a great way to help support the show. If you would also like to help support the show in other ways, please tell a friend about it. Please follow us on Twitter. Shoot me a note in a private message or on join the Discord if you want to be part of this growing, awesome group of people chatting about all sorts of fun things. And if you want to talk with me directly, I mean, I'm definitely on the Discord all the time, but come hang out. Twitch.tv slash Robots Radio. I am there in most evenings and we can chat while playing games or even play games together and we can talk Fallout stuff. So I'd love for you to Pop in there. Tell me hello. I always love hearing from the community and getting a chance to talk to you guys. That is the number one reason why I started this show, and I'd love to hear from you. So we're going to take a quick little ad break, and then I will be back with the second half of this episode. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. Now, for the second half of our episode today, we are delving into Vault 95 which has some similarities to some themes that we discussed in the Kate episode. If you recall, Kate was a drug user. She was somebody who was very dependent on chems and things in order to help her regulate her moods and deal with the amount of abuse and uh, the terribleness of her childhood. And we've talked about this. That's something that does happen. So, How does this relate to Vault 94? Well, Vault 95 was specifically designed to house individuals who were addicted to drugs, offering them chance to be rehabilitated and sheltered from nuclear fallout. So again, looking on the bright side, the idea is that there is a place for everybody and given the right opportunity, people who are dependent on drugs can kick the habit. We're looking at the good side of humanity here. Let's help these people out. Let's give them a place. They deserve to survive the nuclear fallout as well. And we might as well equip them with the ability to deal with their own issues while doing that. Now, the wiki goes on and says isolation is cited as the primary means of recovery. By not providing any drugs to vault dwellers, they aimed to eliminate chances of relapse. So basically, they took away any potential for relapse. There were also daily meetings to help the addicts through their recovery. So, so far, so good, right? And this vault, by the way, is a vault you can come across in the Boston area in Fallout 4. It goes on and says, Vault Tech's Overseer Manifest describes their position as not to be considered a position of power, but rather a position of support and servitude. Infractions were dealt with using positive reinforcement and encouragement. Together, they shared the same path and were as a family. Again, unity, bringing people together, all of these things are great, right? 
as overseer, and she should not prevent a resident from continuing their own personal journey. Sealed away inside the vault after the Great War, the inhabitants eventually overcame their addictions. By 2082, now this is only five years after the war, so again, a very short period of time compared to a lot of the other vaults. They've managed to get clean and form a functioning society within the vault, continuing to adhere to the Vault Tech Rehabilitation Program, or the program, as they called it, even after it succeeded. So, five years later, everyone's clean, everyone's united, they've become basically this family, a group of people who have bonded over kicking their habit, sticking with the program, working together, and they've built this identity. Five years. Five years is a good amount of time. The amount of time that you spend with somebody over five years in a contained environment is significant. You get to know everyone really well, really fast. So it goes on though, because this wasn't the only thing going on in this vault. Of course, right? There's a twist. One of the vault dwellers, R. Gutierrez, was an undercover vault tech corporation employee posing as a fellow addict. Their job was to blend in with the other vault dwellers and ensure nobody knew of their confidential role within the vault to carry out the second phase of the experiment. Gutierrez was supposed to open a secret stash of various addicted chems and alcohol sealed inside the living quarters section that was to be opened after five calendar years. As the second part of the vault's overall experiment. Now, soon after the stash of drugs was found, you can guess what happened. The vault fell into chaos, with fighting and killing breaking out as the rest of the inhabitants succumbed to their former addictions. Now, when we come across this vault 200 years later in the game, it's being run by gunners. They've basically taken over everything and it's in uh, a deteriorated state of course it's 200 years later there's been a lot of violence there's a big history going on so the question here though that i want you to to ponder is do you think that this would happen in the real world sometimes the things that happen in the fallout games happen because they are written into the games right this is a fictional world but they usually relate on some level to the potential of what could happen in reality. Fighting and killing because chems and alcohol were discovered in the vault. Now, how many bad seeds does it take for something like that to, to happen? Why not steal the chems and alcohol and leave the vault? Why fighting and killing? It's almost as if there were multiple bad seeds who all wanted everything for themselves. And that's why the fighting and killing broke out. I can imagine in a real world situation, you would have the temptation of these things. But for a group of people who were already bound together, you think that they would be making decisions as some sort of unified group, that they would vote on what to do, that many of them wouldn't want to relapse and go through it again. And because they've been without 
these addictive chemicals for five years that the group as a whole would be strong enough to hold the group together to then maybe take these chemicals and alcohol and destroy them, you know, burn them, toss them in the lake, something like that, you know, but that doesn't seem to be what happened. We also know that there were only 72 dwellers. It's a very small vault, 72 people over five years. They probably knew each other very well. A group of 72 people, that is, that is the size of a group of people that you can know everybody's names. And yeah, there probably are some smaller groups that, you know, work together better than other groups. People who have more similarities with one section than another. But 72 people, maybe that's just large enough for you to feel disconnected from some of the group for factions to evolve and disagree and then for fighting to break out. What do you think? Do you think something like this would happen in the real world? Now, personally, speaking from a personal perspective, the closest I've ever been to any sort of chemical addiction is probably caffeine. I love my caffeine. I drink my diet sodas because I don't want the calories, but I I definitely need my caffeine every day. But I, I don't know that I would kill anyone for it. But then again, I've never been addicted to alcohol or harder drugs, any of those kinds of things. And I know probably this audience is big enough. Probably some of you have and some of you have probably dealt with that and overcome it. And congratulations for that, because I know that that's a difficult thing to do. Now, look at yourself. From your own perspective. If there were 72 people very similar to you in a situation like that, do you think that this would happen? Now, here's the bigger question. We have been analyzing two different vaults, 94 and 95, both with their own set of good intentions, although 95 has kind of this twist at the end. But this idea that we're at least experimenting with the hope that humans are inherently good that given the right support, the right opportunities, that people will make the right choices and things will be okay in the world. And in both of these situations, things go bad. Are these examples of things that happen in the real world? Is the real world a place where there's potential for good to win out ultimately? Is that something that we've seen throughout history? Do we? see that ourselves continually moving in that direction or is there more of a balance do we eventually hit this balance point between selfishness and weakness and making the better decision being the better person i think in some ways we're actually watching this play out a lot in international politics in revolts that are happening across the world in American politics right now, standing up for things that are right, even when you might be threatened by people in power. There's a lot of this in the media. And my question is, what's the best way to take on the greater good? And is it possible? 
Thanks for listening to the Fallout Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks, and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter at falloutlorecast. And if you'd like to support the show, tell a friend or check out the rewards you can get for becoming a patron at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon.